Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. It's episode 196, and this week we're talking about how to use couch surfing, how it can save you money, introduce you to new friends around the world, and generally make your life a better place. It's definitely a wonderful thing, and I think by the end of this podcast you're going to love it as much as we do. That's right, unless of course you've been raptured. Oh yeah. Hey, bye guys. (laughs) (laughs) As some grey bloke said, if... uh... You're around next week. I guess we'll see you on hell. Yeah. Well, we haven't been raptured this week, and given that it's ten to five, I think it's supposed to happen at six. That's we six. better re- really better do this quickly, Craig, because you've got to edit it and get it up. I know. <laughs> before but, the rapture. But before six, that's right. Yeah, so all of the people who are raptured have something to do in the last half hour on Earth. Yeah. Hey, if there's anyone out there that wants to write a B-grade monster movie... Then one of my friends, through through a, a misspelling on Facebook, came up with the idea of the Velociraptor. Brilliant. It's like a Velociraptor, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the scary dinosaurs from Jurassic Park, uh-huh. and the Rapture. I reckon it'll be a great end-of-the-world natural disaster, genetically modified. <laughs> like, it rolls everything into one. It will Brilliant. be an awesome B-grade monster flick. There's a similar thing on XKCD this week, you know. Are you, are you scared of the Rapture? Only if it learns how to open doors. <laughs> <laughs> very nice, very nice. Well, remember, you can help us keep talking nonsense and keep the Indie Travel Podcast, keep traveling, by visiting uh, our site when you're booking your trips online. So visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels and slash insurance. You can also visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Amazon if you're shopping online and get your free audiobook with a two-week free trial of Audible at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Audible or slash Audiobook. The Travel Hacking Cartel is still going strong with lots of new deals going up every week, so you can uh, sign up at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Travel Hacking. All right, so let's get on to talking about couch surfing. Now, couch surfing, as you might have noticed from previous podcasts, is something that we really believe in and something that has changed our travel amazingly. We didn't use it when we first started traveling, but we started using it quite heavily in our last trip to South America. And it is incredible and wonderful and great, and you should definitely use it. So it might be helpful, actually, to talk about what it is. Um, I (laughs) consider Couchsurfing, which is a website at couchsurfing.org, to kind of be like a real-life social network for travelers. Mm. Um, But instead of looking for people you already know, you look for people that you're going to meet in the cities that you're about to travel to. Yeah, you have a, a profile, kind of like Facebook, where you put your picture and you put information about yourself and... Um, if you have a free room in your house, you can say that you have a free room in your house and you can make that available for travellers. If you're a traveller, you can search for people who have a free room in their house or maybe just a free couch, send them an email and they can say whether they'd like to host you. Hmm. Now, um, as the name suggests, couch surfing, even if you don't have a guest room, um, even if you've just got a, a mattress that you can put out on the floor or uh, a couch that you're happy for people to sleep in, uh, you can use that as well. And I love the, uh, I don't know, the the democratizing feature mm. of couch surfing. That is, you don't need to have a lot of money. You don't need a big apartment. You don't need a spare room yep. um, to be able to introduce people to your culture and, and host them. I really like that. Yeah, there, it's great. I mean, there are other networks like Hospitality Club, which kind of, um, I don't know, maybe a slightly higher profile version of couch surfing where you are expected to have a a spare room and maybe 
It's for people with a bit more money, I don't know, who are traveling on a high budget, I don't know. But uh, we like couch surfing because it is just, you can go anywhere, you can meet anyone, and anyone can host can host you. Yeah, I mean, we've used couch surfing on almost every country, oh, sorry, almost every continent that uh, we've traveled in. Uh, we've used it here in the Pacific. We've couch surfed in Australia mm-hmm. and uh, here in New Zealand as we've been road tripping around and stayed in everything from a like a tent pitched in yes, someone's so, backyard. That was so funny. Because uh, you already had four couch surfers. Yeah, I mean, typically as we're passing through a place, it just happens to be a major event on. And oh. so all of the accommodation for hours around is booked out. So tent in the backyard, awesome. Um, to, yeah, staying with people in a in a guest room or, or in their lounge. Yeah, so we've stayed with people in the Pacific, in South America, in Asia, not in Africa, we haven't really spent much time there yet. Uh, but in Europe, I haven't been there at all. <laughs> some of us haven't been there at all. <laughs> yes, I believe that's the I I was referring to. <laughs> yeah, and um, so it it is definitely worldwide. I think you'll find more people in urban areas. Basically, the, the more built up an area is, and the more metropolitan it is, I guess, the more people are used to travelers coming through. Uh, the more likely you are to find a good variety of hosts. Mm-hmm. So you can, uh, if you're traveling through, you can find someone that is uh, is going to be a good fit for you. Yeah, that's right. Obviously, it's dependent of, on who there is in the area. We looked into couchsurfing in Tonga. It just wasn't going to work out. There wasn't very many people on the network. Um, of course, it's also dependent on people having internet access to be able to access the website and update mm. their details. So uh, quite poor areas are unlikely to have people on the network, so that's not going to work out for you. Yeah, sure. Or if uh, if there are people on the networks there, they're likely to be the, the very top level of, well, the very top socioeconomic bracket, or uh, expats who are there on a work placement or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they, they have to have heard about it. So many people I've met have never heard of couchsurfing and have to explain it. And, you know, you're not going to be on the network if you've never heard of it, even if it's a perfect fit for your personality type. Mm. Yeah, what you like to do. Well, just like uh, Facebook and other social networks, you've got to set up a profile that people can use to find you and you can use to communicate with people. And so uh, in addition to the essentials, like your name, your age, where you're from, uh, there are several fields on couchsurfing that allow you to communicate more about yourself to people that might potentially host you and vice versa so it's actually really good to fill those out as much as you can because you know you you maybe going to go and stay with these people for a while so you actually want to meet people that you're going to have fun with that's the point right that's right and for me if i'm looking for a host i look at all the different sections before i choose who i'm going to send a request to and those hosts look at our profile when we're when we've sent them an email, to see what we're like and to decide whether they want to have us. Mm. So it's quite important to to fill in the fields. So I suppose first up, you've got your photo. Make sure you put a photo in. People don't tend to accept people to stay at their houses if you haven't got a photo at least. It just looks like you're a, you've just set up your profile and you haven't managed to get around to putting a photo up yet. Um, you need to put whether you're cou- you've got a couch available. Um, that's quite important. If you're traveling, you should say that you're traveling so that people don't send emails to you asking you if they can stay with you. Uh, our one is set for coffee or a drink at the moment because we don't have a place for people to stay because we are actually staying with friends. That means that if people come to Auckland, well, we can't host them, but they can um, they can meet up for us, we can show them around a little bit, and that's quite cool. 
Yeah, now some of the other sections you can do is uh, putting in a, a personal description about you or um, because we're always traveling as a couple, we've actually got a, a joint profile, which I'd recommend if you're traveling as a couple. Um, so put in a description, a little bit about your background, your interests, and uh, maybe your motivations for traveling, what you're actually doing, um, how to, how you participate in couch surfing and your couch surfing experience, uh, two other sections. Now, obviously, early on, if you're just setting it up, you're not going to have anything to put in there. But maybe something to do is to either start hosting people in your city before you start traveling or talk about how you found out about couch surfing and why you want to be involved. So show you understand something of the, uh, I don't know, like the culture of couch surfing. You can also mention your interests and your philosophies. So what sort of person are you? I mean, when we're looking at couch surfing profiles, this is what we look at to see if the people that we're asking for a place to stay with kind of match us. You know, I mean, we've, we've got travel and social media as our interests. If we see someone who really likes going out partying and meeting lots of girls, they might not be the perfect fit for, you know, the kind of person we're, we're trying to meet. But it might be perfect for you. Yeah, the um, I guess there's some other fields there that help you kind of flesh out who you are, um, places you've been, uh, your favorite travel experiences. And then we get into some of the more kind of social networky sides of it. Um, one is your references, where people can uh, leave your references, uh, positive, neutral, or negative, based on their interaction with you. So this is actually a really important part of the, the safety network of couchsurfing. If you meet someone and you have a pretty iffy experience with them, if you don't communicate that through the couchsurfing review process, that means that someone else who comes along is also going to have a bad experience with them or That's may true. do. So if, um, you know, if you are being hosted by someone and the area they give you to sleep in is dirty and uninhabitable, don't go, oh, they were nice people, um, but I couldn't stay there. So I give them a positive review. Um, put in a neutral or negative review and, and explain clearly why you've done that if people are dodgy or things aren't right if uh like one of the things we heard about people asking for money in order to uh to stay there so they're using couch surfing basically to advertise their place as a and b yeah um which is completely goes completely against the philosophy of the network yeah i mean stuff like that leave a negative review it's really the only real safety network that the site has is people giving honest feedback and honest reviews on their experiences so um, if you wouldn't want to stay there again and not because of a personality clash but because of something untoward or something negative then uh, make sure you do share it yeah I mean most of the experiences you'll have well all of the experiences we've had has been great we've had a couple of kind of strange ones but they've still been positive and I think we've reflected that in some of the reviews we've listed that we've put that they were interesting but not not bad in any way um so i think that's something to consider that when you have an experience you should put a review of some description on your on your profile mm. there's also a place for your friends so they can be couch surfing friends they can be real friends who you want to show that you know uh, it's another kind of safety net because it means that you know if you've got friends who know you in person 
you're that much less likely to be dodgy. <laughs> yeah. Well, as uh, as I said a bit earlier, for me it all comes down to Couchsurfing being a, a social network for travellers that you're going to meet. So I think it's important that when you're setting up your profile, you're transparent, you're honest, and you can help people to make a, a good judgment on whether they'd enjoy your company or not. Yeah, that's right. I mean, some people see Couchsurfing as a place to get a free bed, free bed. That's not what it's about. Yes, you do get a free bed if you if you ask for one, but really it's a way to meet people. And, you know, there are some people on the network that just maybe aren't the kind of people that you'd like to meet that you might not want to spend time with. So it's important for you to make sure that people can make a good decision about whether they want to meet you and you, conversely, can look at their profiles and see if they're the kind of people you'd like to meet. So when we're moving beyond the profile and beginning to look for people that uh, we'd like to be hosted by or people that you'd like to meet for a drink or to, to chat with in the city you're going to, um, I think the main thing after you've looked at these profiles is good communication. Definitely. So the first thing to do is to send an email to request a couch. Um, there's a, a system you can go through to do that. You just click a button and you have to fill in a form. Um, we tend to send five requests at once to people in the, in the same city. So I'd open up maybe 20 tabs with uh, different profiles and look through them and try to find the, the five people I think I'd most fit with. Um, of those five, I usually get three no's for whatever reason. Maybe one doesn't respond and maybe one yes. If I get five no's, then I'll start another, another round. You can't expect to get a yes immediately. So don't just send one request because you probably won't get a, get a positive response. Mm, but um, when you do get these responses back in, it's really important to be, uh, to be timely with things. Mm -hmm. If you send three requests and get three yeses back, make sure you send out two thank you, but I've already found a place emails. Um, really important to be timely, to, to not stuff that person around. Yeah, um, because they're saving the place for you. They've said that you can stay. So... You need to let them know that you're not going to take them up on it. Yeah, and it might be a good idea if um, by looking through their profile they seem like a person you're going to connect with. Um, why not arrange to meet them for a coffee or a beer sometime? Yeah, that's exactly what we did in Copenhagen. We um, received two yeses, and but we'd already accepted one before we received the other. So we went to stay with Mona, but we ended up meeting up with um, Fresh and Astrid. Uh, for a drink and they were really awesome we ended up having uh, dinner with them which is quite good because Mona actually got sick that evening and uh, it was quite good for us to be out of the house so <laughs> yeah. it all worked out really well except for Mona who was sick that sucked <laughs> <laughs> yep very very succinct storytelling <laughs> very nice um, another thing to think about is when you're sending uh, contacts through the couch surfing system you might want to give people more ways of contacting you. It is easiest, I think, to keep everything kind of connected up with couch surfing and the couch surfing email system so it's all central. But you might want to give people uh, your mobile number if you've got one or other different ways of contacting you just to make things as clear as possible. Probably not on first contact, but after you've sent a few emails backwards and forwards and you're negotiating, sometimes it's just easier to talk on the phone. Now, in Couchsurfing, there are two ways of contacting people. There's a couch request and there's a message. If you're sending a couch request, you should use the couch request system because some people receive a lot of requests, and that system is quite a good way for them to organize their yeses, their noes, and everything. If they receive messages, it's not really in the system, and it's hard for them to follow who they've said yes to, who they've said no to. 
So we had some problems with Couchsurfing a little while ago. The system wasn't working on our computer, so we had to send messages. But that made it difficult for our hosts. So that's something to consider. Make sure if you're sending a couch request, do it through the kind of the prescribed channels. If you just want to get in touch with someone, if you want to, um, you know, meet up with someone, or if it's if you're being in contact with someone you've been in touch with before, their messages are fine. Cool. Well, on uh, couchsurfing.org, there's a whole wiki of advice and kind of strategies, I guess, for getting the most out of the system and um, communicating clearly with the people you're meeting. But we just want to run through some of our uh, our tips, I guess, for being a good host, being a good guest, and uh, also about some of the, the safety and security things to think about when you're, uh, when you're organizing to stay with someone. Okay, so let's talk about hosting first. If you're hosting someone, so if someone's coming to stay with you, just a few things to think about. Uh, first of all, please be on time and do what you say you will. So if you've arranged to meet someone at the train station or airport, please do that. <laughs> I do have a clean spot for people to sleep on. Uh, people aren't asking for a lot with uh, their couch surfing requests, but, you know, somewhere hygienic is important. Yeah, it might be a good idea to have some spare blankets and things like that as well. Give your guests space. So time to do things around your city, but also maybe suggest some things to do. Some people we've stayed with have had brochures about the city, and that's been really awesome. Mm. Uh, Let your guests know if you'd like them to eat with you, or if you'd prefer they did their own things at mealtimes, and if so, if they can use the kitchen. And, you know, people have their own agendas and their own stuff they've got to do but it does change from person to person so it can be really helpful if uh you know you know your system so if you can communicate that clearly to uh to your guests that's really helpful yeah we found the best thing that's happened when we've stayed with people is first of all they've showed us to our sleeping place we put our bags down and they've just done a quick rundown of of what we can do and what we can't do and whether we're expected to leave the house when they go to work or or whatever just just communicate that's the most important thing yeah, I guess like people are coming from all sorts of different cultural backgrounds, so um, and and often different socioeconomic backgrounds as well. So um, you always look for ways to not get offended. I guess is what I'm trying to say with this. Yeah, um, there'll be things that maybe make you angry or are maybe against. You know, that's just common sense. Why would they be so rude? Well, it might not be obvious for them so always look for ways not to not to be offended and uh, don't feel bad about telling your guests you know where where to get off like yeah. you know if you're acting inappropriately just tell them yeah um if you always take off your shoes when you come in not not everyone does that so just say hey um here we always take our shoes off before we come in the house so please do it yeah you know things like that that might be common sense for you but just aren't for your guest don't yeah don't ever feel bad about having to tell someone that yeah that's right well on the other side of the coin being a guest um some of the things are just the same be on time and do what you say you'll do you know if you're planning on doing something with your host or planning on being home for dinner do it and if not communication as well so communication is king absolutely always communicate with your host uh, have time in your day and have time in your your schedule in that region or that place to hang out with your host, but also don't expect them to provide all the entertainment. That's right. Also, clean up after yourself and go the extra mile with dishes, etc. when it's appropriate. So make sure that your sleeping space is clean. It might be a room off to one side. Just make sure you tidy up, make the bed. If it's in a common area, really tidy up. Make sure it's back to livable standard before you go out or as soon as you wake up. Yeah, um, 
kind of in line with that, I guess. If the family use the lounge from 7am until they go to work at 8.30am, get up at 7am and yeah. like pack down and clean up and have the space available for, for the family to use. Yeah, that's right. Um, plan to eat by yourself, offer to cook for your hosts, or have the budget to take your host out for a meal. So don't expect that your hosts are going to feed you. And, um, yeah, I mean, we always plan to eat with our hosts. We ask them when we arrive, what would you guys like to do? Should we cook for you tonight? Or something like that. Quite often when we arrive, the, the host will have already offered to make us dinner, which is really, really nice. And then we offer to cook the second night, or we go out the second night. But, again, it's all about communication. I think for the guests, though, some people expect that the hosts will feed you. Don't expect that. That's their food, and you're staying in their house. So, yeah. Be prepared to eat to eat your own food and also mm. to cook for them. Give something back rather than just taking. Yeah, um, along those lines, have a gift ready for your host. Uh, a real simple thing that we've started doing recently is carrying around uh, postcards from home. Like before we leave New Zealand now, we're going to buy a dozen postcards and take them with us. And they make a good thing to write a thank you note on mm-hmm. for and you can add a, a dozen box hosts. Of chocolates or... Yeah, that's right. Um, so something local so you're not carrying it around um bottle of wine box of chocolates uh some flowers something like that yeah uh along with something that's that's kiwi and that's memorable yeah we had stickers last time that was quite funny <laughs> yeah. stickers were good though because we'd give them to kids and they were totally stoked absolutely um and like just as we said for hosting like be aware of of cultural differences and you're the guest so it's your responsibility to to fit in uh, to to not be lazy, to ask questions, to find out what's uh, you know what's right and what's wrong if you're unsure. Yeah, that's right. Uh, let's move on and talk about security risks. There are obvious safety risks inherent in couch surfing. I mean, at the end of the day, you're turning up at a stranger's house, often by yourself, and you're planning to stay there. That yeah, I mean, that's probably why so many mums get scared about this system. <laughs> but we've done it lots of times, and we haven't had any problems. And you know, I mean, the safety nets around are there to help you. For example, the, the reference system, the friend system. You should really read the references carefully because although there is the negative reference option, a lot of people don't leave negative references because they don't want the person they're leaving a negative reference for to leave a negative reference for them. Uh, so some people leave positive references but with slightly veiled comments. So it's always worth reading those comments to see if there's anything that you think just might be a bit dodgy. Yeah, and I mean, after you've done that kind of checking, um, you you know, you can also contact and message other other people that have stayed with them before. So if you are wondering if someone's if okay and, and someone's left kind of a funny comment that has you thinking, uh, send them a message. And they'll often in a, a private message be much more willing to talk about their experiences with that person so right. um you know it, it is a social network people are expecting to get messaged mm-hmm. if they're part of the couch surfing community right. so make use of that and um yeah if, if you're 50 50 like is that a kind of a backhanded way of saying <laughs> or is that yeah you know just just reach out and ask another thing to do if you're meeting someone that you're not entirely sure of or if you're going alone or if you're meeting someone of the opposite sex for example it might be a good idea to meet in a public place so you can meet in a cafe near the house. So you're on your way there and then you can meet there. And if you decide that this person just really isn't for you, then you don't have to stay with them. You can just say, oh, look, I'm sorry, I'm not going to come and stay with you. Um, 
Which goes along with the next thing, which is always have a backup plan. We always make sure that we know where our nearby hostel is, or we've got the phone number of a hostel somewhere on our person, so that um, if everything goes pear-shaped, we can head to the hostel for the night. Yeah, that's right. Uh, We have had one case where we had arranged to meet with someone, and they just didn't show up. That's right. And um, their boss basically locked them in a meeting room and wouldn't let them leave you know they were just stuck in a business meeting couldn't leave couldn't communicate um but it also meant that we were standing out in the street corner for an hour or so in a, a not really so salubrious area. Uh, area and there were five of, town. of us um so yeah so always have that backup plan always know where you can go um if for some reason things don't work out and along those lines always let someone know where you're going so you can forward the address details to a friend or someone in your family and then um Follow that up with an email or a phone call when you get there to let them know that everything's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that takes uh, a lot of the risk out. If someone's expecting you to check in with them, uh, say by 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night, and um, you haven't done so, they can then begin to reach out and try and get in touch with you. And, you know, if if you are unsure or you want that extra level, level of protection, I mean, that's kind of the ultimate, really. Yeah. We found it really good traveling together and using couch surfing because I suppose we're kind of each other's security. Um, but if you're traveling alone, there's not really that. There's not really a reason to be scared because the system is quite a good one. Yeah, there's a lot of common sense around what we've been saying in uh, in hosting and being a guest and around some of these security issues. But I guess sometimes when you go on holiday, your brain also goes on holiday, yeah, and that's true. sometimes they go to different locations. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> But yeah, we'd, we'd highly recommend it. We love couch surfing, and we think you should definitely join up and give it a go. So uh, have fun with that. Well, let's look at what's going on in the uh, community forums at the moment. Yeah, we've got uh, quite a lot going on this week, and uh, it all seems to be about Europe, more or less. Um, Haldine has been asking, um, how soon should you be making reservations for hostels in Europe this summer? So we all know that Europe gets busy, uh, especially the, the main cities and the tourist areas. So how far in advance should, uh, should you be making bookings for accommodation? Uh, if you've got advice, jump on and let her know. We're also talking about southern Spain, so southern Spain without the crowds. If you've got anything to add to the, the, the conversation that's going on there, please come along. Uh, we've got a good conversation going around train travel in Europe, uh, around URL passes, around uh, or should you use Euro lines and use the buses, all of that stuff. So uh, if you're wondering how to get around, that's for you. And there's a thread that's been opened about Prague, which is one of our favourite cities. So if you have anything to say about Prague, which I'm sure you do, head along and say, say what you, what's on your mind. Yeah, Steve's got a, uh, a week-long trip planned coming up. So if you've got uh, things to do that you might not find in the guidebook, things in the guidebook that you thought were rubbish or uh, things that are, are absolute must-sees, then uh, please jump on there and, and share with us and with Steve as well. Don't forget that you can help the Indie Travel Podcast stay traveling by booking through us. So head along to IndieTravelPodcast.com and add slash flights, slash hostels and slash insurance to the end of the address if you're booking online because we'd really love it. Yes, indeed. Before we finish up, let me introduce you to Raymond. Raymond's an Indie Travel Podcast listener and he recently made the hop from the States to London in order to uh, attend the royal wedding and also visit London for the first time. So he's going to share with us some of his uh, hints, some of his tips, 
and uh, what it was like being an American at Britain's biggest wedding. Well, recently you uh, you just made the big jump from the States over to the UK in order to uh, to watch the royal wedding. How was it? It was awesome. I had um, originally booked my trip the day after they announced their engagement, like like literally four hours after they announced their engagement. And then I uh, decided it cost too much, so I canceled it. And then I had some things happen in my life when my car broke down and I just didn't want to pay them the money to get it fixed. And I decided to jump on a plane literally with no planning and go to London and wing it. Wow, that sounds pretty mad because I'm guessing, well, I've seen the photos and some of the video footage. That place was busy. Oh, yes. Um, it, it surprisingly wasn't as busy as I thought it would be. I flew from the West Coast. I, I live in Arizona. Um, and I flew to Atlanta. And when I got into Atlanta, there were literally five airplanes packed with people on standby trying to get to Heathrow. Wow, that's I, mad. And I made it out barely in time because of the hurt or the tornadoes. Yeah, they were, they were coming through the states at that time. Yes. Oh, so what was your motivation for? Because uh, you just went over just for this event, didn't you? That was. I went over just for the event, and then I. I scheduled enough time to do lots of other stuff. But my motivation was that it was something historic. Mm -hmm. um, it only happens probably once every 30 years. The last time it happened was when I was three years old with Princess Diana and Charles. So I figured by the time it happens again, I'll be 70. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And do you think it was, uh, think it was worth it? Oh, definitely. I've never been to London before. Um, and I had researched and listened to your podcast, every podcast you had on London, every podcast that um, Rick Steves and all the other travel bloggers had on London. And I just kind of decided I like I want to go. It's one of those cities like New York where you've seen it on TV enough that you feel like you know it well enough that you can just show up. Mm -hmm. And did, um, did you find that was true? Definitely. Um, I wasn't quite prepared for the prices. Yeah, um, no, nobody ever is. The other thing, I, the other tip I would give to travelers if they ever go and they've never been is the tube stations are not as far away from each other as they appear. Mm, but now, that's sometimes true and sometimes not. We once uh, looked at that and decided to walk between two tube stations. Took us 50 minutes walking above ground. So, um, yeah, it's, sometimes it's much easier to, uh, to walk and other times it, uh, yeah, the, the tube's a definite time saver. My hostel, I stayed at the London Central Hostel, which was an awesome hostel, by the way. And it showed it as being its closest tube station as being one tube station, but the actual tube station that was closest to it was right behind it. Oh, right. Because the way the tube map is set up, it looks like it's, you know, four kilometers away when yeah. it's really just a block and a half away. Sure, yeah. That, that diagram of the stops actually bears no resemblance to the reality of where they are on the ground, eh? And it's not a cheap mistake to make because it's a pound ninety each time you get on the tube. Yeah, or even more if you uh, if you haven't got yourself a, an oyster card to to tag on and tag off. Definitely. Oh, and my other tip would be for the underground is if you're going to be there for a week, get the week long travel pass. It's worth it. Mm, yeah, very good advice. How about the uh, the stuff that you saw and the stuff that you did? Obviously, no one else is going to be able to go for a royal wedding anytime soon. But were there any other highlights? Well, I, I was surprised coming from the States how, how polite the police officers are. Hmm. Um, I got there, 
um, I had a police officer walk me from probably a good half a kilometer to Westminster Abbey because I couldn't find it. And I ended up staying in Parliament, uh, standing in Parliament Square for the whole day, which is right across from Westminster Abbey and Parliament. Um, I had probably only had four hours sleep at that time. And then the crowds started building up. And by the time it was over, I think there was a million and a half people out there. But we were popping champagne and drinking beers right right on the street, which was unheard of in the United States. Yeah, would, yeah, of course. They would have dragged you away. <laughs> um, the one thing I would say skip, unless you're with a big group, would be the London Eye. Mm-hmm. I took the London Eye. It was not that fascinating. It was just a slow-moving Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a pretty fair critique. And because of the way the London is all kind of a low low city, it's not high-rises, a lot of high-rises, you don't really see anything from the London Eye, um, except for Westminster Abbey and Parliament. Yeah. And then a bunch of unrecognizable buildings that, aren't, that have no real significance, but you pay $30 to ride the thing. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, um, having a wander around on Google Earth is, uh, is equivalent. Oh, yeah, definitely. You can walk all – I mean, I, I, that's one thing I did before I went is I Google Earth where my hostel was, and I walked myself through the city mm-hmm. to see what was nearby. Um, one way you can avoid eat, uh, high food costs is their little – we call them convenience stores. They call them small supermarkets um, called Tesco's. Express, they're on every corner. And then there's also prep mangers, I believe they call them, mm-hmm. like every 10 feet. They're, they're these places where you can go and buy prepackaged food and either eat it there or you can eat it away. And if you take it away, you don't have to pay the tax that they have over there, the value-added tax. Mm. Yeah, that's um, yeah. they just absorb that if you're taking it away. Now, I've talked a little bit about London. We haven't really um, heard anything about your, your experience of the crowds there. The crowds are great. Everybody's really friendly. I met... Um, a family from Wales, from a small little village in Wales that had come out specifically for the wedding also. They had taken a four-hour bus ride and gotten there at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, they had nowhere to stay. They just decided to come out for it. Um, lots of Americans. Lots of Americans came out for it. Um, huge crowds. Everybody was really festive. But the one thing I noticed is I've been to large gatherings in the States where everybody's kind of pushy and kind of upset with the crowds and they're tired and cranky there everybody is extremely polite it must be the british way everybody is no there were no fights there were no pushing or jostling for space it was just very very polite everybody was really kind of like energized everybody's really jazzed for for a country where they supposedly don't like their monarchy they sure did cheer when everybody went by <laughs> awesome. Well, Raymond, thanks for coming on the show, sharing your experiences of the royal wedding and some tips for traveling around London. It's been great. Uh, I, great I, I actually have a bunch of great videos and photos. I'll be posting them on my website, which isn't any kind of travel or special website, but my website is heyitsraymond.com. Excellent. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Well, thanks heaps for that, Raymond. That was uh, very interesting and informative. That's us for this week. So until next week, travel well.